everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol, and we are so grateful you are tuning into our series on Revelation. We are moving right along now into chapter 8. And I want to begin this chapter um, by mentioning something before we get into uh, the trumpets that are mentioned in this chapter. See, one of the things that we miss about the book of Revelation is how the plagues of Egypt will eerily return to the earth as they were in the days of Moses. In fact, it appears we will face a spiritual conflict, much like what Moses and Aaron faced before Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 7, when a supernatural showdown occurred. See, the conflict that will take place in the end of the age will be a conflict fought on a supernatural plane, just as it was with Moses and Aaron and those sorcerers whose names I will not pronounce correctly, I'm sure, Janus and Jambres, once again, it will be a duel of power. Pharaoh being a precursor to the Antichrist. Jonas and Jambres tapped into the power of the occult to try and deceive people into thinking they had the same power as Almighty God, but their attempt failed. Because by the third sign, when God made dust turn to lice, the magicians working their enchantments yielded nothing. Up until this point, they had been deceiving the people. But now they ultimately had to admit this was the finger of God, Exodus 8.19. Keep in mind, they were saying this to Pharaoh, the one who claimed to be God. And this will be the case during the tribulation, when one who claims to be God will deceive many, working signs and wonders through evil spirits, through the occult, and God who will prove once again that he is the one true God, as he shows his signs and his wonders and complete sovereignty over nature, over the universe, the cosmos, and all created things. And this is what the world will witness in his judgments. So we are set for another supernatural showdown. Now, if you're not familiar with that word cult, a cult, it means hidden. A cult means hidden. It is spiritual activity evil spirits at work that keep themselves and their work hidden, secret, or disguised in order to appear authentic and to appear as, quote, light or revelation or to appear as some kind of enlightenment has come upon you or something miraculous. It's counterfeit. It's no different than Jonas and Jambres and other diviners of pagan nations in the past. You find the work of the occult even in present-day situations. They are in diviners today, and there are many diviners at work even in counseling and therapy today. There are fortune tellers, prognosticators, or what about when people use a Ouija board or a tarot card or angel cards? Don't be deceived by those things either. Don't be deceived by any of it. It's the same evil spirits at work. That energizing power that enabled Jonas and Jambres to perform some miraculous signs. Now listen, friends, having been in deliverance ministry for some years, I can tell you these things are real and they truly do torment people today through different sicknesses and different strongholds that come upon them. So don't be deceived. You know, in the end times, we are going to see this power manifest. Again, we are already seeing it manifest right now throughout the world. 
this power behind the occult, and it is going to grow more fierce. Listen, the lawless one, it says in scripture, will come and he is going to operate in power, signs, and lying wonders, deceiving many. Make no mistake, the battle for our souls in these last days is not going to be a question merely of theology or doctrine. It will be a question of who has the power of God. So I would strongly encourage you not to quench the power of the Holy Spirit in your life or in your church because we're going to need him and we're going to need his power on display. The world needs to know that God's church is powerful. And until the church embraces that truth, people are going to continue to seek out the counterfeit, most times ignorantly and unknowingly. See, the influence of the occult is increasing. It's aggressive and active to a degree that was unthinkable even 20 years ago, isn't it? It's not hiding anymore. It's come way out into the open. And many, many, many believers are seduced by it right now and blinded to the deception and enslavement it has put upon society. But it's a fulfillment of prophecy. So believers, beware out there. Many will be ensnared by the supernatural satanic pressure you're already feeling. But stay strong. Stand. We are called to do two things. Watch and pray. And why do I bring this up? Because we are entering into a place in the book of Revelation when judgments are intensifying. Events that will take place that are not totally unfamiliar either because they are reminiscent of the plagues in Egypt, even down to the frogs and locusts. Right now, some of these things are happening on a regional scale, but they are going to progress and advance throughout the world on a global scale and clearly have an impact on the environment and on nature, just as they did in Egypt in the days of Moses. So when nature gets destroyed, it won't be because of global warming. It will be from the finger of God. And through these judgments, God will show himself as the only one with the true power that can bring nature into subjection to his will. And don't be sad about that. He is going to make a new earth and new heaven, which we will read about and discover at the end of the book. So let me start by giving you a few examples of how some of these plagues are being manifested in regional areas in recent years. The waters become blood. Did you know that there are reports of rivers, rain, and bodies of water turning red all over the world that have literally shocked biblical scholars? And these biblical scholars warn that the phenomenon is a sign that maybe we have reached some of these end times uh, apocalyptic events. And scientists are scrambling for answers. They'll blame it on chemical spills. They blame it on waste. Well, let me tell you, whatever earthly reasoning they can give it, it's still a foreshadowing of a larger global event to come. Let me give you some examples. I cannot pronounce Russian words, so I apologize if you are listening in Russia, which I do know we have listeners in Russia, so welcome. But I apologize. I know I'm not going to be doing these words justice. But Russia in 2016, a river near the city of Norilsk turned burgundy red and it was blamed on the runoff of a chemical plant. It was the Daldekan River. Now, let me tell you, I live in Colorado. We had a chemical spill in 2016 where 3 million gallons uh, of toxic waste spilled from a defunct Colorado gold mine. 
and it fouled waterways across three states. But it didn't turn them red. It made them like a ruddy, yellowy orange. So it's just something to think about. Another one in Russia. It is a river called Iskatimka. It is in southwest Siberia in an area called Svadnia, I think. The Svadnia River also turned red. So two of these rivers in 2020 in Russia turned red, again blamed on waste and chemicals. A lake near another village in Russia in the Rososhanks district suddenly turned red on August 28th in 2021, last year. In China, 2014, residents in Zhejiang province said the river looked normal at 5 a.m., Beijing time on Thursday morning. Within an hour, the entire river turned crimson, and they could never determine the cause. The Yangtze River in China turned red in 2012. They said it was because of illegal dumping. In Israel last year, the Alexander River runs the width of Israel from the hills of the Nablus to the West Bank to the sea, turned red, blamed on um, animals being slaughtered. Rivers in China, Russia, Lebanon, Netherlands, as well as bodies of water in the U.S., Australia, and Sri Lanka have all turned blood red recently as reported by local news outlets, and in some cases, leaving scientists and experts completely baffled. How about locust swarms? The locust swarms of 2020, if you didn't pay attention to that, wow, those were truly biblical. Billions of locusts devoured parts of Africa, Pakistan, India, Yemen. I can only encourage you to look it up, because you really truly have to see it to believe it. Literally, it left no trace of greenery on a tree, shrub, or plant. It was devastating, catastrophic, doesn't even do it justice. Saudi Arabia, around that same time, their locust invasion was so great that images coming out of the country showed the floor of the great mosque in Mecca covered in dead locusts, evoking biblical connotations. What about hail? Saudi Arabia, again, was hit by baseball-sized hails. Saudi Arabia! And Swaziland and South Africa, where the hail was so intense that it killed a herd of cows. Argentina in 2018 had, they called it gargantuan hail, seven and a half to 9.2 inches across in diameter. In Vivian, South Dakota in 2010, eight inches across. Libya, Tripoli in 2020, eight inches across. Big, huge balls of hail. Because as you're going to see when the judgments get bigger, these judgments intensify. Frogs, an invasive semi-aquatic frogs with claws from sub-Saharan Africa are invading parts of Florida and Puget Sound in the Pacific Northwest, and they eat anything they can get into their mouth, including other frogs, birds, fish, and snails. And in 2021, Frogs were turning up dead all over Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland in Australia in such large numbers that people didn't think there was a population of frogs left. I bring this up because as we begin to go through judgments, you are going to see these things come upon the earth in an even greater scale than what I just mentioned. See, signs have been taking place over the years, but many have not been paying attention. So now that you know, when you hear of similar type events taking place in the world that are eerily reminiscent of the plagues of Egypt, you know why. So as we move from the seal judgments to trumpet and bull judgments, pay close attention. So in chapter 8, 
We're going to go into chapter eight now. I want to remind you that we've already covered the first five verses of the chapter when we discussed the seven seals, as the seventh seal is found in the beginning of the chapter. And what we find is that seven angels are standing before God, and they are given seven trumpets. So let's read this chapter, picking up in verse 16 and reading to the end of the chapter, just just chapter, just in verse 13. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water, because it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels, who are about to sound. So we are now embarking on another set of seven disasters that come upon the earth. And like the seven seals, there is somewhat of a pattern. Whereas the first four seals appear to be human driven, the first four trumpets showed to be more natural disasters. Nature is groaning. First, there will be hail and fire mingled with blood. And this is going to produce a scorched earth. Now, no one really knows what the hail and fire mingled with blood truly means. You can interpret it in many different ways. But does that even really matter when you see the result of this judgment? Picture a third of the trees and green grass burned up around the world. Let's talk about that for a minute. You know, the benefit of trees is that trees help to clean the air we breathe, right? Through their leaves and bark, they absorb harmful pollutants and release clean oxygen in the air for us to breathe. And in urban environments, trees absorb pollutant gases like nitrogen oxides, ozone, and carbon monoxide, and they sweep up particles like dust and smoke. Trees also play a key role in capturing rainwater and reducing the risk of natural disasters like floods and landslides because their intricate root systems act like filters, removing pollutants and slowing down the water's absorption into the soil. Did you know a single tree can also be home to hundreds of species of insect, fungi, moss, mammals, and plants? Depending on the kind of food and shelter they need, different forest animals require different types of habitat. So without trees, forest creatures would have nowhere to call home. Trees also provide food for us. An apple tree, for example, can yield up to 15 to 20 bushels of fruit per year and can be planted on the tiniest urban lot. And aside from fruit for humans, trees provide food for birds and wildlife. 
So to have a scorched earth will be catastrophic on many levels as it pertains to just mere survival of all living creatures. It's an earth that no longer supports life, an earth that no longer provides food. Do you remember the promise God made to Noah? That while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter will not fail. He will provide food for his people for the whole earth. And he has kept his promise. But when history begins to wind down, that will radically change. We are going to come into a situation where the vegetation is going to be struck so bad and the ground will become so barren that food is going to be very hard to grow. So you have a scorched earth and then it's followed by a polluted sea. When the second trumpet blows, something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. No one knows what this great mountain burning with fire is. Logic leans us perhaps towards some kind of a catastrophic volcanic explosion, but no one knows. Well, whatever it is, it causes the sea to become contaminated to the point that a third of the life in it dies. I mean, the ocean is the engine of life on this planet. And pollution is already creating devastating effects on the life within it. Between oil spills or 17.6 billion pounds of plastic dumped into the ocean each year. Or just trash in general. And the pollution on the ocean, that causes algae blooms. The result of these, and the result of algae blooms is dead zones, abandoned sea ecosystems, because even fish won't live in those areas. And so the sea is important and it is our cleansing agent for the world. And so we already have pollution polluting our oceans, but here we are going to have widespread pollution of the sea caused by some kind of natural disaster. Third trumpet, we have contaminated water on the land. The third trumpet sounds and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. You know, we learn in Jesus' discourses in Matthew 24, Luke 21, that the powers of heaven will be shaken. His discourse recorded by Luke in, in Luke 21 speaks of signs in the sun, moon, and in the stars, the sea and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of heaven will be shaken. And power here refers to higher forces that have entered our atmospheres and are working in this lower world of ours. That's what that means. So this third trumpet says that a star falls from heaven. Some kind of a power from heaven has entered into this lower world of ours. And the name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters become Wormwood. And many men die from the water because it was made bitter. What is the significance of the name Wormwood? Well, in the Old Testament, wormwood was repeatedly associated with bitterness and death. 
In Proverbs 5, 3 through 5, it says, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. In Lamentations 3.15, it says, He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. And verse 19 says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. In Amos, the prophet twice referred to wormwood. Amos 5.7 says, O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth. Here, righteousness is contrasted with wormwood or bitterness. And Amos says in 6.12, But you have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. So the original readers of Revelation, they would have understood the association of wormwood as something bitter or deadly. This is certainly made clear in the passage as well, since it states many people die from the bitter water. So our fresh water will be contaminated. We are seeing this already in parts of the world. Look at the countries that struggle with trying to get clean water and the organizations springing up everywhere trying to help. When this trumpet blows, all fresh water will be at risk. And when our fresh water is contaminated, what does it bring with it? It brings disease. So we need fresh water. Our body is a majority of water. And so water is going to become very scarce. And because of that, more precious than any treasure people are still after at this point. So good chance we are going to have to boil every bit of water we get to make sure it's clean enough to drink. Next, the fourth trumpet sounds, the last of a grouping of four related events. Again, four representative of the earth, right? Well, now you have a third of the sun, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. So a third of daytime, we're going to be in darkness. And night is going to be really dark. Think about that. Think about the vitamins we get from the sun. Think about how things work, how they grow. Think about how the moon affects the tides in the ocean. This is going to be drastic. We are going to be experiencing reduced light, and it's going to change everything. There will already be a significant loss of trees prior to this, right? Trees and other plants absorb carbon dioxide as they grow. They capture it directly from the air through the process of photosynthesis. So when you combine carbon with water and use energy from sunlight, it makes food enabling plants to grow. That process also releases the, releases the oxygen we need to breathe as a byproduct, which means reduced light with already drastically reduced trees means more dangerous gases in the air to breathe in. Do you see how our creator has carefully crafted everything to work together perfectly to provide life for us on this planet? When one thing goes awry outside of his laws of nature, outside of the laws of life, right? Nothing works as it should and creation suffers. It's incredible. And so now after these four trumpets, there's a break. And an angel flies through the midst of heaven. And it says with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. These three woes, 
repeated three times together signify the seriousness of what's about to come. It's a warning of impending evil. Three events of great distress, anguish, and affliction are coming. Tune in to our next episode to learn what woes befall the earth. God bless you today, and thank you for tuning in. Thank you.